Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Ah, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Lord God, you are holy. You are holy, Lord. There is no one, no one before you that is holier than you, Lord God. You are holy, Lord God. Jesus, you are holy, Lord God. Holy Spirit, you are holy. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Just holy. Lord God, we just praise your holy name. We give you glory. We give you honor. Lord God, we just thank you, Lord God, that you, we just thank you that you know us, Lord God. We just thank you that you, you look upon us, Lord God. We look at you, Lord God. You are holy, Lord God. I am nothing. We are nothing without you, Lord. We are nothing without you, Lord. Oh, you are holy, Lord God. Lord God. I know that demons have to flee in the name of Jesus Christ. When they hear Jesus, just the word Jesus Christ, the anointed one, they have to flee because the name alone is holy. It is holy. When we draw near to you, they have to flee. Lord God, we just thank you for your name. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your spirit, Lord God, that dwells inside us, Lord God. The spirit that just gives us strength when, when there is no strength, Lord God. We draw our strength from you, Lord God. We just thank you, Lord. We thank you for you. You are holy. Oh, I can not say how holy. I, I just can't imagine how much holy you are. Than all the stars in the, in the heavens, Lord God. You are, your holiness is just so vast, Lord God. So deep, Lord God. Oh, total awe, Lord God of your love for us. Oh, Lord God, I just thank you. You love us so much, Lord God. Thank you for your presence, Lord God, that you are here, Lord, that your spirit is here, Lord God, and Jesus is here, Lord God. Just thank you, Lord, that we may share your presence with each other. That we come to worship you, Lord God. And that you dwell in this house, Lord God. That you dwell inside us, Lord God. That we have corporate prayer and corporate worship, Lord God. That we draw near to you, Lord God. That we draw near to you as brothers and sisters, united in one, Lord God. One God. And we just thank you, Lord. We thank you. Jesus name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hey, we're going to continue to worship by taking communion together. We thank you, Jesus. God, you're so good. 
now. We're just going to go after a few things in communion tonight. I know there are some needs for healing and needs for uh, miracles. Tonight we're going to agree together while we take communion. We're going to agree with John over Charla. She's suffering with gallstones. I don't think that's a super private thing. Too late now. <laughs> so I know John's going to be going after that. Whatever you personally are going after tonight, whether it's healing in your physical body, healing in your emotions, healing in your mind, um, maybe you just need a deeper connection with the Lord, a deeper intimacy with Him. Whatever it is you might be going after, maybe there's just a breakthrough in life that, you're, that you know the Lord has put in your heart to go after. Tonight is a night where we can take communion together and we can declare that Jesus' blood paid for it all. His blood paid for everything. Everything we need for life and for godliness, he has provided for us by going to the cross, by taking our sin issue out of the way by taking our sins from us, imputing to you and I his holiness, his righteousness, so that positionally we stand in him, we stand in Christ, and we have access to all of the treasures, all of the heavenly blessing in the spiritual realm, Ephesians 1.3 tells us. Every spiritual blessing in Christ we have been given access to. So Jesus paid for it all. So everything we need, we know that he paid the price and we get to celebrate his sacrifice. We get to celebrate the price that was paid for us to participate in the divine nature, to, to be born again, to have the spirit of God dwelling and living in us and to be able to, to access the things of heaven and pull them into earth. For that very fact, as John was saying, that, that we, are, we are the house of God, we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. We have an open heaven access in our lives. So I'm going to just ask you guys now to go ahead and come up, grab your communion elements. You want to take that, babe? I got the wine on this side and then the grape juice here. You can smell that wine. It smells good. There's the grape juice, buddy. There you go. There's some wine for daddy. <laughs> grape juice and wine. There you go. These things don't lock, so <laughs> they like to get stuck, though. <laughs> few scriptures. That's okay. <laughs> Is that okay? Do I have permission to read the Bible in, 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 in church? It's funny, you know, I, I almost want to preach when we say in church because you are the church. 
in a building where the church is gathered. <clears throat> you know, the scripture tells us to examine ourselves before we eat this bread and drink of this cup. But let's let the word of God be the, be the shining light right now. Can we do that? This is 1 Peter chapter 2. <clears throat> Peter said, You find God's favor by deciding to please God even when you endure hardships because of unjust suffering. Now you can fill in the blank. Even if you're going through an issue, a season, a a giant that you're facing right now, a sickness, something that needs to, to be removed, you find God's favor when you decide to please Him, when you give Him thanks and praise in the middle of that hardship or even because of unjust suffering. For what merit is it to endure mistreatment for wrongdoing? If you are mistreated when you do right what is right and you faithfully endure it, this is commendable before God. In fact, you were called to live this way because Christ also suffered in your place, leaving you his example for you to follow. He never sinned. You hold in your hand this matzah cracker that represents the broken body of Jesus, the one, the spotless Lamb of God who never sinned. He was pure, without fault, without blemish. He never sinned, and he never spoke deceitfully. When he was verbally abused, he did not return with an insult. When he suffered, he would not threaten retaliation. Jesus faithfully entrusted himself into the hands of God who judges righteously, for he himself carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we would be dead to sin and live for righteousness. Our instant healing flowed from his wounding. We're we're holding this bread. We're holding this matzah. It has holes in it, just like the holes in Jesus' hands and feet. It has stripes on it from being baked, just like Jesus bore stripes on his body on the cross before he went to the cross. This bread is without leaven, just as our sinless lamb was without sin. So you hold this, and this is more than just a reminder. This is a spiritual act of worship. Jesus commanded us to do it, to do this in remembrance of him. So as you remember what Jesus took away from you on the cross and you get ready to consume this, just receive the trade, receive the transaction that he provided. Receive the gift that he gives you and I in exchange for our brokenness, our sickness, our bondage, and just declare it over yourself now. I am free, I am forgiven, I am healed. I am delivered in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, his words are life. His words are real food. His body and his blood is real meat and drink. 
it might be hard to wrap our minds around this, that we're actually doing something that is symbolic of eating flesh and drinking blood, but Jesus told us to do this. He said if we don't eat his flesh and drink his blood, then we have no part of him. We want Jesus to live and dwell and fill our bodies. And as we eat the bread and drink the cup, we're reminding ourselves, we're actually taking in a physical action that is a prophetic act, that we are receiving the more of the Lord, the the provision of the Lord. So let's hold this cup up. And I just want you to hold this up before any giant, before any issue that you're facing, whether it's the gallbladder issue for Charla, the gallstones, or maybe it's uh, sleeplessness in the nights, whatever you need a breakthrough for that you know is not from God, let's exchange that now. Let's declare the blood of Jesus breaks every curse. The scripture says, if we freely admit our sins when his light uncovers them, he will be faithful to forgive us every time. God is just to forgive us our sins because of Christ, and he will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin and unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, we receive your provision. We receive your provision in your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. The Lord is good. He's good. All the time. All the time. Hey, I'm going to just, before I run with an agenda tonight, I just want to continue to make room for the Lord. If if there's anything that uh, those of you in the room that are uh, hearing the Lord and you feel like he has something for now, for tonight, to deposit, then I'm going to invite you to do that. So, I'm looking at you guys, but not just you guys. Papa John, although you you might have already shared something if you had it, but if you have something, Tammy's got the microphone. Come on up. It's more like a prayer request. Charlie has to see the surgeon Tuesday. So we can lift her up in prayer on Tuesday, one o'clock in the afternoon. And she has peace. The Lord just brings peace to Charlie. She hates doctors and hospitals. on you by proxy if for her. You and okay. Charla are one. Everybody just agree with us right now. So Lord, we just lift up Charla right now and we just administer the healing blood of Jesus where she is right now. And we declare peace over the Torres family. We declare everything come into alignment and we declare that the medical system will work in favor of your children, Lord God, of your daughter. And we dismantle every fear of the enemy 
right now in the name of Jesus yes. over the Torres family. Yes. There is healing in this house. Healing in this house. Yes. Healing yes. in this house. Yes. Every doctor, every secretary, every nurse works for you and in your favor in the name of Jesus. We just apply that over all of us. Every hospital, every fear we have, we just dismantle that right now in the name of Jesus. These systems come under the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are under his administration. We release the administration of the kingdom of heaven into Kitsap County right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Amen. It's good. <laughs> yeah, take it, take it. <clears throat> you know, just so people, kids and you guys, anyone who's not like, why do they do that weird stuff? Like waving their hands and go. <sighs> Physical acts release spiritual, release the spiritual. Physical, prophetic physical acts will release something in the spirit. Sometimes we, we need to do something physical to release the spirit. So whether that is just, just taking the Holy Spirit like a fireball and going right there, or just, you know, we, we asked, uh, we've said this so many times, but just for the record again, we, we trained the kids when they would pray. In fact, we should have had you guys up here laying hands on him first. Um, in fact, Nora, Oscar, Ethan, would you guys come up here really quick? Okay, he's already receiving right now. <clears throat> James, you want to come up too? You're, you're invited, but you don't have to. Little James, if you want to come up, you can. No, you're good. I'm just inviting. Okay, so this is what we've taught our kids. We say, kids, just turn on the fire hose. There's no junior Holy Spirit. They carry the same Holy Spirit that we have. And right now, they are releasing the presence of God. Out of our bellies flows a river of living water. The kingdom of God is at hand, Jesus said. It's at hand. It's actually in our reach. We just release now over your family, over your beautiful bride, into your body, into her body. The two of you are one, and we declare divine healing in the name of Jesus. Body, soul, spirit, inside out, head to toe, left hand to right hand, your entire being, filled and healed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, waves of refreshing. Thanks, kids. Got to remember to pull these guys up. You guys help us out. If, if, we, if we get people up here to pray, say, um, you're forgetting the kids? First hands, hands on. Yeah. Well, we need to get into the habit. So, awesome. So, any prophetic uh, encouragement, words of wisdom? David's got some. Awesome. I just want to encourage everybody. And I don't, I don't know what you're going to talk about tonight, but Holy Spirit has a way of like orchestrating things. <laughs> I don't know where everybody's at with knowing like the times and seasons of of God and everything. But we're literally in the moment of stepping into a new season right now. If you don't know, right now, even tonight, is Yom Kippur. And we have stepped into a new year. In the, in the Jewish calendar, it's known as 5784. And there's a lot of symbolism that comes with that. We're stepping through the door 
Each one of you has a calling and a purpose. That before you were born, before each one of us was even formed, God wrote out a calling and a purpose that each of us has. This is really awesome, guys. This is good. And we, we, have, we still have a decision to make. We can partner with him in what he's doing. Or we can say, I don't, I don't know if that's for me. But I hope you say yes. But your calling is not, it's not just 10 years from now. It's not, or it wasn't something that was 10 years or, or, or in the past somewhere. It's right now. It's happening right now. You are here for this time. You're here in this place. We are all here together for this time and purpose so that we can meet together as a, as a part of the body of Christ. And so this is that time of year where we come before God and say, Lord, I repent. I change my mind from all my, my rebellious ways. There's no condemnation. We've all been there. I've been rebellious. I've had a ton of rebellion in my lifetime. But God, every year, he gives us a new starting point, and we're in that moment right now. Hmm. And that's what's so awesome. He is so good. We follow an eternal king. He's alive right now, sitting on the throne in heaven. We don't have to go back anymore doing sacrifices in Jerusalem. Year after year, season after season, thousands of cows. I can't even, I don't even know how many cows there were. But we don't have to do that anymore because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. It was that perfect sacrifice that we just took just now. So I want to encourage you to say, Lord, I do repent of all my sinful, rebellious ways, known and unknown. And Lord, whatever you have, what your calling is for me, Lord, I ask that you would show it to me. What's your vision, Lord? It's a good calling. Each of you's got a unique calling to each one of you. We don't have the same callings. But for some reason, God all put us together, all of our callings together in this moment. He knew that each one of us was going to be here tonight. And our callings were going to somehow merge together for this time. And all of it is to, it's not just to bless you and give you life and prosperity, but it gives glory to the king. The king of kings. See, there are so many other people out there in the earth right now that need to hear about this Savior. And wherever you are, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're called to be, maybe you're called to be a pastor. Maybe you're called to be an apostle, a prophet, a teacher, an evangelist. Or maybe you're called to be a business person. Maybe you're called to be a government person. Maybe you're called to be in the hospitals. I don't know. 
But that's where, that's where, I know I'm kind of going on a preach right now, but it's good. that's part of, you're not only are you holding God's commandments close into your heart, you're reading his word, but you're also being obedient into what he's called to, you to do. So I just want to encourage you because this is good. This is really good. He designed you specifically for that calling. And it's full of life. It's full of health. It's full of wealth. It's full of strength. And even though we sometimes go into those hardships like Charlie is right now, no, we do not come into agreement with any uh, ill health. And we say, oh, anything that is not of the kingdom must go right now in Jesus' name. But in the meantime, Charla has an opportunity to be a light in the hospital. She's going into the world right now. I don't want to go in a hospital. We've been, Carter and I have been in hospitals. We've been there. We know, we know what that looks like, and it's not an easy challenge. But we thank Jesus every day that our names are written in the book of life. So it doesn't matter. We don't love our lives unto death. He's already got us. So that's how Charlie can walk confidently in the Lord, even though she has to go through all the minutiae. But she can still be confident in God because she, for whatever reason, somebody needs to be reached there. And we bless them in Jesus' name that they come back to the Lord. Yeah. Thank you, God. Yeah, it's good. It's so good. Yeah. Well, when you guys were praying for me and Scott was saying every action that you take, a long, long time ago, I learned to receive. And Scott used to be, he said, man, you know how to receive. I learned how to receive. Uh, I was at one revival meeting and I fell out and the evangelist that was there he told the youth to come up and pray for me and I was, I was on the ground there must have been I don't know, 9, 12 youth praying for me and God showed me how he hears his prayer our prayer I heard each one of those prayers clear as a bell they were all praying at one time but each person was praying a different prayer. And I heard each one of those prayers. Each one. And I said, God bless them. And then they all fell out. And I realized I kind of missed out on my blessing. Because <laughs> yeah, I remember Pensacola, they told you if you got prayed for, don't pray. Just take it all in. Now I understand. This was early 2000s, maybe late 1900s, the last century. <laughs> but he showed me right there that I was being blessed. I was being blessed. And these, kid, these kids were just blessing me. With, and I just, I just asked God to bless them which I should have been, I guess I should have been taking it in. And I was taking it in. But that's one, that was the point when I realized when people, you 
got to learn how to receive prayer. And I remember praying over people, and you could feel that they were taking it all in. You could, you could feel it when you're praying, laying the hands, and they're taking it in. You could feel it. And that's when I learned. I mean, I've had a lot of people pray over me, but I learned just let them keep praying. I'm going to take it all. And that's what we should learn is how to just take it all in. Because God's saying something. God's using everybody at, at that point. I just thought I'd mention how to receive yeah, prayer. That's good. That's good. <clears throat> you know, I, I hear often that God responds to our hunger. And receiving is like turning your hunger and aiming, aiming your hunger towards God. You're just like receiving what he wants to give to you. And, and I've, we've all probably been there where you've prayed for people. It doesn't really happen here because everyone's pretty good at receiving. But I've been in places where the more you try to pray, the louder they start praying in tongues. And it's like, I don't even feel like I can pray for the person because they just get louder and louder. And it's like, just, just receive. Some people will, will, some people will say, yeah, they'll be like, ah, bah, 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 bah. I'm like, okay, I can't even think to pray now because you're so loud. But... Um, you know, some people, you'll find this on the internet, they'll say, oh, you know, those charismatics, they tell you not to pray. Why would they say not to pray? Because they want to, you know, the enemy wants to turn the way God moves into something bad by, you know, by us saying, don't pray at this moment. You should always pray, pray without ceasing, but there's times to receive. Yeah. So anyway, amen. Amen. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He is your and my very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way and the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at, his, at its swelling, there is a river there is a river that you and I carry inside of us. It's the Spirit of God. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. That's us. We are the city of God. And in the river of the Holy Spirit, He makes us glad. He makes us glad because He brings life. He brings refreshing. He brings healing and restoring. He floods garbage out of the way that needs to go. Anyway, I could preach from Psalm 46, but that's, that's not what we're going to do. Um, we're going to shift angels. You know, that's, that's the communion ministry angel. Now there's going to be a different angel. That's gonna, we joke, it's the, the angel music. What David's talking about, this, this opportunity for us to step through the door, to step into this new season that God offers, to step into to the plan that he has for your life. You know, you might ask yourself, how do I access it? How do I get into it? How do I step into it? I would say, I'm trying to, I was trying to figure out a way to, to plug tonight's theme into what you're talking about. It takes faith and grace. Like, faith and grace are the rocket packs, the, the fuel packs that you're going to strap on to your life and faith and grace is what's going to propel you into the things of God. Amen? Amen. 
there's other things, of course, but without faith, you can't please God. Without grace, you can't operate. You, you can't move. You can't grow. You can't step into and flow in the things of God without his grace. Now we can say amen. Okay, I know you just needed a little further explanation. So, I know last week we did a kingdom culture, and I don't know, I'm just like, I'm in kingdom culture mode right now. Like, I, I really wanted to just keep eating. I've been eating, I've been eating grace and empowerment all week this week. Well, maybe not all week, but probably three or four days worth. And just soaking in some really good stuff. Um, we got some fun stuff that, that we're going to be able to finish this, this little teaching off. You might think, how could you preach very much on grace? I mean, isn't grace just the thing that covers our sins? Isn't grace just what we need? Because, you know, where sin abounds, what grace abounds all the more, right? So we need grace, right? We, we need the grace of God. We're saved through faith by the grace of God or by, by faith through grace, through Anyway, I always get the two mixed up. But it's your faith in the grace of God that saves us. Yeah. It's believing that his goodness is grace. So let's look at some scripture. The subtitle, Experiencing a Grace-Filled Environment That Empowers Others to Thrive. We want to empower each other to thrive, right? We want to step through the door. These, these ancient doors of opportunity that, that God supernaturally opens up in the spirit, we can step into these things. So I believe it's going to fit, David, King David. So John 1, 14 through 16 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's our Jesus. He was full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was He of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. That's our Jesus. He was full of grace and truth, and from him, from his fullness, we receive grace. Now let's, let's clear some things up. Let's talk about what is grace. Like, this will be helpful for the younger people because I don't think I've ever taught on this particular kingdom culture. I think because I've always gone to my favorites, like releasing the supernatural or the prophetic. You know, I love those things. I love the way God moves and the way he speaks and the way we can, can minister the power of the Spirit through releasing his presence. And then there's these, these more, what I would think of typically as simple topics, like the grace of God. It's, isn't it pretty self-explanatory? Isn't grace the unmerited favor of God? Well, there's a little more to it than that. There's a little more to it than that. So, Let's take a look at Titus chapter 4, and Titus has no chapters, Titus 4. <laughs> Titus is a good book. Wait, no, Titus does have chapters. Well, I totally messed that one up, but this is some verse in Titus chapter 4. <laughs> says, there have been some, Jude is the one that is just Jude. Hey, Jude. <laughs> That's a bad song, by the way. <clears throat> The Beatles, I just, anyway, let's move on. Keep going, Tammy says. There have been some, this is from the Passion Translation, so it might sound a little different than what you might, what might ring a bell to you. There have been some who have sneaked in among you unnoticed. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Someone snuck in earlier tonight. 
and they took your spot. And you worked through it so, so sweetly. By the way, we totally trust him and his wife and kids are good people. I wish I could have communicated that to you so you didn't wonder, are our sons over there? Anyway, um, so back to the scripture. Some have sneaked in among you unnoticed. They are depraved people whose judgment was prophesied in scripture a long time ago. They have perverted the message of God's grace into a license to commit immorality. Man, why am I feeling emotional right now? There's people that take the grace of God and use it as a free-for-all to do whatever you want to do because they, they will say, once you're saved, you're always saved. Once you've prayed the prayer, you're, you're in. You can live however you want. You're chosen. You can't get unchosen. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Well, yeah, those are true things. You, you are chosen, and he won't leave you or forsake you. But as we've been going through our Awe of God series on Wednesday nights, the grace of God is not a license for us to sin. God gave us, Jesus came full of grace and truth. He gives us out of his fullness, grace upon grace for a reason. Yeah, part of it is to cover us. His blood covers us. It covers our sins. And when we, when we do sin, when we do fall down, as we read in 1 John, if anyone sins and they confess their sins, now that doesn't mean you have to go into a, a confessional booth at the Catholic Church, and a little door pops open, there's a priest behind there and through the screen. Sometimes you may need to confess to a brother or sister. I would say brothers confess to brothers, sisters to sisters, um, husbands to wives, wives to husbands, whatever, you know what I'm saying. There's a time where you, you may need to tell someone, but I would say more importantly and most importantly, you confess, you acknowledge your guilt, your mistakes to God. Because when we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to, to cleanse us from all sin, to forgive our sin and to purify us from all unrighteousness. So there is a place for confession and acknowledgement of our mistakes, to, and then we receive by faith his grace. So, so grace does have that place where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more, right? Did I read that whole thing? No. It says, these, these people have perverted the message of God's grace into a license to commit an immorality and turn against our only absolute master, our Lord Jesus Christ. So grace definitely is not a free-for-all license to just do whatever you want. When you come into a relationship with God, you are switching your ownership of your own life and coming under his lordship, under his rule and reign. Does that mean you're going to be perfect at submitting to his rule and reign every day of your life? No. If anyone says that they are without sin, 1 John says, they make him out to be a liar. So, but when we do sin, we have one who stands in our defense, Jesus Christ, the, the faithful one. So there's a tension. There's a place we, we need to pursue. We need to get our own personal life on the, on the trajectory of pursuing intimacy with God, hearing his voice and obeying his word. Amen, brother, preach it. Don't worry, I'll encourage myself. I'm good, I'm good. Okay, so, so here's Romans 5, 1 through 2. I like it in the NIV because that's how I learned it, but I, I thought this message, I read it in a book about, from the message translation, and it's kind of interesting. Romans, so Paul wrote in Romans 5, by entering through faith, okay, 
So we just believe. We step into this door. We enter into something through faith. By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, right? He's always wanted this for you and I, whether it's that door right now in this season or accessing his grace, which is what my scripture NIV would say. We access through faith the grace of God. By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, which is set us right with him, make us fit for him, that's good. We have it all together with God because our master, Jesus. Because of our master, Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our doors. You ready to throw open your, open your doors? Let's throw open our doors to God and discover... <laughs> I just saw you do that, man. That prophetic act right there kind of released something. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open his door to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. That's a that's a good word. I don't typically like the message translation. I'm going to be honest. I don't like paraphrased Bibles. I don't like, I like the, just the, the rich, you know, I, I want farm fed beef. You know, I want the real deal. I want, I want, you know, locally sourced. I don't want stuff that's coming from China, you know, so sometimes, sometimes these paraphrased Bibles remind me of like meat from China or something. It's, you know, got a lot of opinion mixed in. What? You guys okay? It's not racist. Okay, so, so let's look at some definitions of grace. Here we go. Some of this is from the Webster's Dictionary. So you guys are going to be amazed that the Webster still hasn't been completely defiled. There still are some original versions of de word definitions. They have changed some of the things I've heard. So I've heard. So the Webster's Dictionary says grace is unmerited divine assistance. Just receive that tonight unmerited you didn't do anything to get it it's unmerited divine assistance given to humans for their regeneration or sanctification you need the grace of god you and i we need his grace it's we would we would say it's unmerited favor that's what i grew up in the church hearing grace is unmerited favor then i heard this quote a long time ago mercy is not getting what we deserve Grace is getting what we don't deserve. I think I heard it different than that, but that's how I could remember it today. We'll just keep moving. I won't try to botch that one up even worse. Webster's also said, grace is a virtue that comes from God. So if you need grace, the scripture tells us that you and I can go boldly before the throne of grace to receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. We need the mercy and grace of God from his throne, from him to help us in our time of need. Are you in a time of need? Yes. Then you need grace. You need mercy and you need grace. Webster's also said, it's a state of sanctification enjoyed through divine assistance. Divine assistance. And this is the most, the newest way I've heard the definition of grace is through this, this angle, which is the supernatural empowerment of God. Now, I know from the scriptures, and we're going to look at some scriptures here, that God's grace isn't just something that we use to cover our sins and mistakes, right? 
And we know Paul, if you read through Romans, Paul's like, you know, we don't use grace as a license to sin or to keep on sinning. You know, we've received God's grace. Why would we just keep on sinning then? So we know that it's not something that we're supposed to just have a free-for-all, do whatever you want to do and live, live worldly, live ungodly, and trust that the grace of God's just going to always, you know, that's, that's not the fruit of actually walking in the grace of God. But it is there for when you do sin, when you make a mistake. But there's more, way more. Like it's the power of God. As for you, 2 Peter 3, 17 through 18 in the Passion says, and it's not a whole lot different from the ESV and NIV. As for you, divinely loved ones, since you are forewarned of these things, be careful that you do not be led astray, excuse me, be careful that you are not led astray by the error of the lawless and lose your firm grip on the truth. So if you were to read the full context of 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3, I'm not going to read it all, but he, he goes into depth about people like this. In the last days, there's going to be mockers that will multiply. They'll chase after their own evil desires. They'll say, so what about this promise of his coming? Our ancestors are dead and buried, and yet everything's still the same as it was since from the beginning of time. It just gives us this picture of scoffers and mockers who turn away from the grace of God and they act like God isn't even real. They don't even acknowledge his presence. So Peter is continuing here. He's telling us, you've been forewarned of these things. Be careful that you're not led astray by the error of the lawless and lose your firm grip on the truth. But continue to grow and increase. Just say, Grow and increase. Maybe slap your neighbor. I mean, no, don't slap your neighbor. <laughs> Just say to your neighbor, increase. increase. In fact, prophesy over your neighbor. Prophesy to the person behind you, in front of you, next to you, to the left and to the right. Are you sure you want to sit down, baby? Okay. So I just declare increase over myself, over you guys. I'll take it, I'll take it, I'll take it. I got to say it fast, I guess. I'll take it, I'll take it, I'll take it. <laughs> Continue to grow and increase in God's grace and intimacy with, the Lord, with our Lord Jesus. Excuse me, I'm trying to make up my own version here. Grow and increase in God's grace and intimacy with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May He receive all the glory, both now and until the day eternity begins. Amen. You said amen before you're supposed to. That's at the end, not in the middle. <laughs> Nice try. <laughs> Here's some thoughts. These are not scriptures. These are just some reflective thoughts on grace. So grace and empowerment go hand in hand. Because without God's grace, we would not be empowered to live the lives we're called to. You need grace. We need it. It's like gasoline inside of the car. We need the grace of God. Understand, excuse me, understanding the fullness of grace is the first step to walking in it. We gotta, we gotta wrap our minds around this thing that seems like such a simple topic about what the grace of God is, but we need to actually fully understand it so that we can begin to walk in it. What Christ did for you and for me on the cross is the greatest revelation of grace that we could ever have. Now, just when you thought that quote was, you know, just the best little quote there, I got some more. 
Here's uh, some good stuff from Chris Vallotton's book, Developing a Supernatural Lifestyle. This is really good, you guys. You're going to love this. The full revelation of what the cross accomplished in history is so dynamic that those who experience it are literally, literally, you and I are translated from the province of bondage to the gates of Graceland. You have been translated from the, from the, from the province, from the city, the rule of bondage to the gates of Graceland. You know, a leader in the church one time kind of scoffingly said, grace, 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 grace. And I, I get it. I get it. Because people will abuse grace. They'll just say grace, 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 grace over everything. Like sugarcoat everything with grace. Grace is not sugar. It's not meant to coat everything gross and ugly. Uh-oh, someone needs some assistance. Um, grace is not sugar. Grace is the power of God. It might be sweet to our taste, but that's not all it is. It is like the exousia. It is the, the dunamis power of God to, to propel us into the things of God, to help us to step through that door. Like if it wasn't for the grace, we couldn't even step through that door that's open right now. But we received the grace of God to step through it. So the gates of Graceland. Welcome to Graceland. No, not where Elvis was, but... I mean, hopefully he's there. I, I do hope he is there. We are leaving the old country of death and despair behind. These folks come into a new world of mercy and hope. Mercy and hope. It continues. He says, The cross of Christ quenched the fires of judgment, unlocking the heart of God. God was in Christ so that he could reconcile the world to himself. How did he reconcile the world to himself? This is a good question. You should, you should know the answer tonight. By not counting their sins against them. 2 Corinthians 5.19. And this is in his book. Did you get that? Did you get it? Not, <laughs> not counting men's sins. Okay, I'm just going to be with you guys because I know we're all in the same boat. That's not how we always function, is it? But that's our Jesus. And that's our Jesus who lives inside of us. He doesn't count their sins against them. Yeah. But, but, but. Yeah. Did you get that? Here's a little bit more, then I'm going to read the scripture. But as powerful as this is, he also went on to say, he has given us the same ministry. He has given you and I a ministry. What is the ministry? We'll find out in a minute. He wants us to not count sin against sinners so that we can beg them to be reconciled to God. If God is not counting sin against sinners, what gives us the right to do it? And whatever gave us the idea that to point out other people's, or excuse me, to point out people's sin would lead them to reconciliation. God said not counting sins leads to reconciliation. We need to rethink the way in which we minister from the king's palace so that we don't defile his throne and undermine his ministry. I know this is, it might feel like a, like a shift in thinking. It does for me. We're going through a, a course right now called the awe of God, and it is about the fear of the Lord, walking in holiness, pursuing holiness. But, but God wants us to 
not like take one truth and throw away the other, but let the truth interpret truth. Scripture interprets scripture. Be holy for I am holy. I'm not, I, I was, God was in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. He's given us a ministry of reconciliation. We'll let you guys wrestle it out. You could disagree because this is just Chris's book. This is not scripture. So let's look at what the word of God says. Shall we? 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 21 says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The word of God is so beautiful. It just balances things out. If you didn't have that last part, that God made him to be sin who knew no sin, and then just ended it there, ah, he already made Jesus to be sin for me. So I guess I can walk in the grace of God now and do whatever I want. No, he finished that, that statement by saying, so that in Jesus, if you're in Christ, this is the truth, that you and I might become, we might become the righteousness of God. See, on Wednesday nights, we're, we're learning about positional holiness, positional righteousness versus, what's the word? Behavioral holiness and behavioral righteousness. He gave a good example of his wife. When his wife married him, she became his wife positionally. But, but they walk out their relationship throughout time, serving one another as husband and wife. Okay, let's move on. Here's a good Danny, Danny quote, Danny Silk quote. We have that book. It's called Unpunished. Unpunishable. Unpunished. <laughs> Unpunishable. It's the red book there. This is just a, a Danny quote. <clears throat> Danny Silk says, Many of us think that mistakes are more powerful than destiny. I just want to pause for a second. The reason why I'm going into this angle of the grace of God, so, so grace is not a license to sin. It's not a free-for-all to, to do whatever you want to do and expect that you're just going to be you know, forgiven and you don't have to hold, be held to any account. Right? It's not a free-for-all. It is God's empowering presence in our lives. It's his grace that, that propels us. But we have, to, we have to wrap our minds around how grace, the grace of God is designed to flow through our thinking, how we relate to one another. Because it's not just me and God. It's the vertical, but there's this horizontal thing. I need to know how to, to flow in the grace of God towards you and towards the people, them, us and them, the people outside, the, non, the non-believer. Do I go up to the non-believer and, and tell them, repent or perish? Hold my picket sign. You're going to burn in hell. You, know? <laughs> you need to get your life right. How many times have we heard that? You go up, go up to someone who's living in sin who maybe probably doesn't even know Jesus, and we've heard people say, you need to, you need to get your life right. You're, we're basically telling them, you need to clean up your issues, your sins, before you can come to God. We need to, to hear the scripture that we read 
and have that ministry of reconciliation, knowing that Jesus paid for their sins. He's not counting their sins against them. If they receive him, they've received the payment that was made. But if they reject him, the penalty of hell is because they rejected the Son of God. He paid the price for the sins of the whole world. He desires for all to come to repentance and that nobody would perish. Okay, Danny, what does Danny say? Many of us think that mistakes are more powerful than destiny. Maybe I need to hear that. Maybe you need to hear that. Maybe you've made some mistakes over the past year, past five years, past 10 years, wherever you're at in life with God. Mistakes, some people might think, are more powerful than destiny. God is not afraid of our sins or mistakes. God is not afraid of anything. Perfect love, which is who God is, casts out fear, and God is perfect love. When Jesus is in the presence of sin, he's the solution, and he's powerful. We don't need to fear people's sin. When you're ministering to a family member or a lost coworker or a neighbor who doesn't know Jesus, we don't need to be afraid of that, whatever they're doing. A cultic practice came to mind. Witchcraft, you know, people in the devil stuff. If I see pentagram tattoos on their arms, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. And I was into that stuff, but it intimidates me. It kind of, kind of gives me like, oh, that's, that's a big issue that has to be dealt with. But it could be their religious affiliation, they could be a Buddhist. They could be an atheist. They might be a drug user, a recreational pot smoker. They might you know, talk about, oh, I take mushrooms once in a while. You know, it brings me closer to enlightenment, whatever. You know? We don't need to be afraid of the sin that they're participating in. The power of Jesus is so much more powerful than that sin. And in his presence, that sin can't stand. So that was Danny. What else? Is this more of Danny? The way we see people determines how we treat them. This is convicting. Okay, this is a convicting one. The way we see people determines how we treat them. This is where life happens, where the rubber meets the road, when we learn to protect relationship above rules. Now, this is not saying that we, we, don't, we disregard Scripture, right? Where we, when we learn to protect relationship above rules, when we learn to not control others, but give freedom and empowerment that enables others to become who they're meant to be. So here's a good question. We're, we're getting down to the, the grand finale here. You guys are here just in time for the good stuff. The preaching, eh, it was meh. <laughs> My worst self-critic. So, okay. <clears throat> Stop it, Scott. It's totally made me think of something. Keep going. It's, it, I'm going to keep going. It was just a weird thing in a coffee shop. The barista years ago shouted out something weird. I'm just like, well, that was strange. She was a little bit out there. Yeah, she was. Yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, so here we go. This is just something, this is not a question and answer time, but just think about this. What are the core beliefs that create a culture of grace and empowerment? What are some core beliefs that you and I need to have instilled inside of us that will help to build and create and reinforce a culture of grace and empowerment? Because grace 
is not just to cover sin. It's not just for forgiveness. Grace is the power of God for us to walk in and grow in. So what beliefs, just think about it. What are some core beliefs? I'm gonna mention a couple things, a couple things. I would say, I guess if you have some, some thoughts on that, you know, uh, I, trust, I trust this not to go too much longer past eight. Pop your hand up if you have some thoughts on that. <clears throat> there, we, we, we grab hold of four pillars. We call them the pillars of revival. Four really seriously important pillars as believers. Pillar number one is that God is good. We have to be convinced that he is good, that there's no darkness in him. He doesn't send sickness to punish us, to teach us lessons. He doesn't cause evil. We blame God. People in the world blame God all the time for stuff that the devil does. Okay? He is good. The scripture tells us God is good and his love endures forever. So God is good. We believe that Jesus' blood paid for everything. We talked about that tonight. The blood of Jesus paid for it all. That all things are possible with God. There is nothing that is impossible for him. Impossibilities have to bow at the feet of Jesus. So he is good. His blood paid for everything. Nothing is impossible. And nobody, not a single human being, is insignificant. You are important. From the greatest to the least, you are important in God's plan in his creation. You are significant. He designed you to do mighty exploits for the kingdom of God when you know who you are and you walk in your true identity as a Christian, as a believer, as a son or daughter of God. But if anyone's got some more thoughts, like what are some core beliefs? Those would be my first four that I would list. God is good. Nobody's insignificant. You know, everyone's significant. We read a bunch of scriptures that would kind of reinforce that. David, you got some thoughts? You kind of look like you do. He always has thoughts. <laughs> Mega mind. <laughs> so like what you're saying, grace is not a license to just keep on sinning. Like our God is a jealous God. He wants our attention. So it doesn't give us a license to go worshiping after other idols. But at the same time, we have grace to step out in our calling. So, when we start to realize just how imperfect we are and how, maybe how sinful we were, and we think, oh no, I can't, I can't move out into what God is calling me to do. I'm not, I'm not good enough for whatever reason. That's a, that's a moment to check yourself and ask, like, is God, is God a liar? Because he did pay for all your sins. And he's not a liar. Because he's all, he's truth. God is truth. The word of God is truth. Amen. So, when you come back to the realization that God did pay for all my sins, 
and he does have a calling for me to partner with him in what what he wants me to do I can step out in in faith believing that God paid for my sins both in the past present and in the future and even though I'm an imperfect vessel he'll still use me he'll still use you even if we're imperfect people he'll still use each and every one of you and it's his grace that when we step out he does the thing wherever you are in your life or whatever group of people that you're around it's the power of god that's going to move through you and reach that person as you speak to them the holy spirit is going to give you the words that you need to stay in that moment in time And as we're being obedient, believing that he paid for our sins, and knowing that there's grace for us, and even in our imperfections, we get to par partner with that. So, and then hopefully other people will see that, that truth, and they'll also get to believe that truth as well. That's good. Need to give it to Tammy. She might have some thoughts tonight. Come on, prophesy. <clears throat> well, we could we could just stay on on that question, but it's a good question for us. I think for each of us individually, like what could we do with this question? We could take this into our personal time with God, and we can talk to Him about it. We can say, God, help me. What what can I do, Lord, to change my beliefs? What, what can I pull from your word that would help me to, to walk in a culture of grace and empowerment? Like, it's our desire to extend grace in a healthy way, right? Like, not sloppy agave, not grace, 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 as I was saying earlier, but, but great, not sugarcoating everything with, you know, candy-coated Christianity, but true grace, the grace of God, which is, comes from him, true grace that will actually be released by the power of the Holy Spirit to propel, to empower, to energize men and women, boys and girls, sons and daughters of God, to step in and walk with God and to grow with Him. I, that scripture that says we grow in the grace of God, that was, that's been one that really stuck with me years ago. Like, you know, I, I do stupid things. I say stupid things. I make mistakes. You know? Unlike all of you, I've got issues. My issues have issues. <laughs> I have had to learn that God not only has grace for me when I fall down, but he has grace for me to stand up in and he has grace for me to grow in. Like the grace of God is the soil that you and I need to allow our roots to go down into. Now you're going to love this because we're going to have a little short video clip from one of the Bethel Leaders Network guys, Dave Harvey. He's an Australian. He's really good. It's just, I snipped out this part um, of their, it's part of our Bethel Leaders Network training stuff that we have access to. And he's talking about the grace of God. And so we'll go into that just, and we're gonna end with that. And we'll make some declarations because it's always good to make some declarations, right? Because life, life and death is in the power of the tongue. So take that question, ponder it. Here's where we're going to begin to set us all up for this little video encounter. And there is an encounter included into it. He's going to have a, a couple minutes on his thoughts on the grace of God. And then you and I are going to have an invitation. You can do it or not 
to close your eyes and just to allow uh, Dave Harvey to walk us into an encounter. I don't know about you, I love encountering God. I love it when someone who uh, spirit-led walks us into something to pray through, whether that's Donna Da Silva and uh, inner healing stuff or Dave Harvey. So Romans eleven seventeen. I know you love this scripture because you've talked about it, you've mentioned this recently a few times about being grafted in to the olive branch. You know, we sing it in our songs. We, we call Jesus, the, he's the root of David. He's the root of Jesse. He is the vine. He is the root. He is the, the tree. He is the source for you and I to, to be planted into, to be grafted into. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches, right? He is the vine. He is the source of life. He is the one that is full of grace and truth, full of life. So we want to plug our lives deep into Jesus, be intimately connected to him, knowing him, growing deeper and deeper and deeper in him. So Romans eleven seventeen in the Passion says, And you, who were once nothing more than a wild olive branch, God has grafted in, inserting you among the remaining branches as a joint partner to share in the wonderful richness of the cultivated olive stem. I love those words. That's why it's the passion translated. There's some passionate words in there. Joint partner, sharing the wonderful richness. Well, I think Dave Harvey could have added some words to here, and you're going to hear him in a second. So I'm going to sit back with you guys. This is going to be about five minutes, and then we're basically going to be done for the night. So just soak it up. You know, that's all grace means, is we actually are turned into the better version of ourselves. What's the better version of ourselves? It's him. He wants to make you like him. Oh, that makes me happy. Romans eleven seventeen says this. The Bible says, and you being a wild olive were grafted in among them and became partaker with them of the rich root of the olive tree. The rich root. Do you know that word rich root means the root of fatness? Do you know you and I were not grafted in to some um, dead philosopher who's, who was pretty, you know, a bit smarter than everyone else, but he's dead in the ground. No, we were grafted into the eternal being of Jesus Christ. We were grafted into the Bible calls him the root of fatness, the root of abundance. It actually, if you study that out, it means <laughs> choice wine, like the best wine, and it means the best fattiest steak. Like it's this, it, it keeps using fat throughout the Bible. But you and I have been taken from a, a dead place and grafted into a place where we can do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we could ever ask or imagine through Jesus. Through Jesus. The Bible says that, that it's in Jesus that all the promises of God are yes and amen. That means they're yours in Christ. We're not grafted into 10% of the promises, but we have full access to, to the richness and the fatness, I hope that doesn't offend you, of Christ today. <laughs> so here's what I want to encourage you as we land this today. God has solutions and upgrades for you today. As you sit face to face with Him, his, this root of fatness, as you connect with Him, God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or imagine. He wants to upgrade your family. He wants to upgrade you. He wants to upgrade um, your finances, grace. He wants to upgrade your city and your nation. So I want you to close your eyes right now. I want to pray for you 
Um, wow, God, God is going to do some wonderful things. So I want you to relax. I want you just to sit back a bit. And I want you to stretch <laughs> your legs out. Come on, Dave. And stretch just say, your legs welcome, out. Holy Spirit. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Please come, Holy Spirit. Just fill this room. Fill this room. Ask Him to fill your room. Fill right this now. room, Holy Ask Spirit. Ask Him to fill your room. And I just want you to, in your, in your mind's eye, in your imagination, the Bible says that who can know the thoughts of God? It says we can because we've been given the mind of Christ. We often use our imagination for negative things. Let's connect them to God right now. You have the mind of Christ. I want you to say, Jesus. Jesus. Show me the root of fatness that I'm grafted into. Show me the root of fatness. And I want you to look down at your legs. As I was praying for today, I saw people looking at their legs and their legs turned into <laughs> roots and their roots went straight down deep into the soil and they connected to the <laughs> wild, the deep, deep, beautiful wild spring of God. And I just want you to see your roots going down into Him. And I just want you to stay in that place and drink. 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 Just drink of His grace. Drink of His fullness. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is showing people right now two or three areas where you need that water. You need the grace of God to come into. If you've got those thoughts in your mind, it might be your marriage, it might be your finances, it might be a problem in your nation or a problem in your city, whatever. I just want you to drink and say, Holy Spirit, will you release grace right now? <laughs> will you release grace over my marriage? Will you release, release grace over, over my finances? Will you release grace over the president or the prime minister? Will you release grace over my city? And I just want you to drink, 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 drink. And I feel like God is going to ask you, do you have any questions for me? And I feel like like children, many of you leaders are going to start to ask God about those complex things. It might be how to diagnose something in the medical world. It might be ideas for an invention, problems you're having in your ministry, whatever. I want you to ask God questions because he wants to pour out grace. And I want you to follow him because I really believe this week you're going to have solutions. You're going to have answers. And I, and I just see leaders scanning their horizon and looking for the grace of the Lord to come. So Father, thank you for leaders that are connected to grace. Thank you for leaders that are doing things uh, bigger than themselves. I thank you are going to upgrade leaders after this call. Lord, after this video, you're going to upgrade their circumstances. You're going to release ideas that shift them, their cities, and their nation. God, would you break out with the, the abundance of Jesus Christ in every life. We pray in Jesus' name. Yeah, amen. If you receive it, I receive it. I'm drinking it in. I'm seeing the grace of God coming like a atmospheric river. Your wife posted that earlier. Atmospheric river on Facebook, just off our coast. 
there is an atmospheric river called the Holy Spirit, and He is going to come and He's going to shift your atmosphere. He's going to shift the atmosphere in our lives, in our city, in your personal finances, your health, your mental well-being, your heart, your family, wherever you know you need that, that deficit to be filled with His fullness. Let's just make it our aim to plug into the root of fatness. I, I know you love that. I just, I just knew. I was thinking of David when I was hearing that uh, whenever it was this week. I was like, David's going to love that. The root of fatness. Wine and rich meat. Who doesn't like you know, a nice juicy ribeye? Well, that's, Jesus is way better than a ribeye. Okay, why don't we stand up? We're going to make some declarations. You guys doing good? Was that okay tonight? Yeah. It's kind of fun. Here we go. Let's make some declarations. Warm up your vocal cords. <clears throat> me, 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 me. Okay, here we go. I might, I'm just going to say ahead of time, I might pause on one of these and have us repeat it just because sometimes I feel like we need to say it. Here we go. Number one, grace abounds in me and through me. Do you believe it? Do you really believe it? If you don't feel like your, your heart and mind really wrap around that as truth, then that's a declaration that you and I need to make more. Because where you don't feel yourself lining up to a truth, that's where we need to declare it and it will happen. We need to declare the truth so that our emotions our thoughts, our feelings, all of it will eventually come into alignment with it. That's just how it works. Okay, so let's one more time. Grace abounds in me and through me. Number two, my words impart grace to everyone who hears me speak. God's grace empowers me to walk in love and the supernatural. I lead a grace-filled ministry that empowers people to thrive. I'm going to pause on that. You, young woman over there, you, young man behind my son, the two of you lead a a powerful grace-filled ministry, and you are raising up giant slayers. Your children are going to take down giants that maybe, possibly, we couldn't take down. You are training them up. You have a ministry. Everyone in this room has a ministry. You may not feel that, well, I don't stand up and preach to the church. You lead a grace-filled ministry that empowers people to thrive. Wherever, whatever your sphere of influence is. Let's read this one more time. Let's declare it. I know that baby's going to, she's not going to be happy until we all say amen. So we're just going to keep going. One more time. I lead a grace-filled ministry that empowers people to thrive. That's good. I powerfully restore people back into their purpose for living. I need to, that's going to be a declaration for me tomorrow. I am not a slave to sin. My sinful nature is dead. In Christ, I am free and empowered to live in His righteousness every day. Amen. No matter my circumstance or situation, in Christ, I am a victorious overcomer. And the last one, 
I partner with the Holy Spirit to experience personal transformation by his power and love. So Jesus, we thank you this evening for your presence. We thank you for the call upon every one of our lives that you are bringing us deeper into an intimacy, a relational connection with you, that you are the vine, we are the branches. You are the source of everything we lead everything we need for life and for godliness and to make it to the end from faith to faith. God, we give you the praise and the glory and the honor that is due your name. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace of the Lord, Jesus Christ, be with you always. And also with you. Good Catholic brother over here. All right. See, everything from this point on gets cut out of the recording, so I get to start saying weird. So I could sing you a song if you want. Let's not. Let's not do that. All right, snack time.